welcome to Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris. Here, each week we engage in candid conversations with Nate, focusing in on some of the subjects brought up in the Sunday morning teaching shared at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. They say that imitation is the highest form of flattery. Wanting to be like someone else is a high sign of respect for that person. Did you know that we are called to imitate God? It may seem beyond reach to think that we could imitate a holy and perfect God, but it's not. Listen in as Pastor Nate answers questions regarding why we should and how we are able to imitate God. Let's join the discussion now. Hey, Nate, good to see you. Good to have you back. Thanks. It's good to be back. It was, it was great in the teaching at the beginning. You said that you were talking about the Apostle Paul. And you said that uh, this week he's going to be sharing, Paul's going to be sharing about, and then you stopped and said, no, Paul's, Paul's not teaching, I'm teaching. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> Apostle Paul, not, not Pastor Paul. <laughs> like, I'm teaching this week. He's not coming up here. Um, but no, it's great having you back. Great teaching uh, entitled Imitating God. And such, that was just really good. If you are listening to this podcast and for some reason didn't listen to the teaching, go listen to that teaching. Really, really important stuff. But um, we, uh, we were talking about uh, imitating our Father in heaven. And my first question for you is, do you think you have picked up traits of your parents? Have you discovered anything in your life that you look at and go, oh, I got that from my dad or I got that from my mom? Oh, I'm sure that there are. Uh, nothing comes to mind right now. I think I picked up. So, so I'm originally from Texas, mm-hmm. and uh, but I moved to to Colorado when I was ooh, eight or nine years old. I think so. I must have been nine years old, maybe even yeah, nine nine ish. And I remember when we got here, I got made fun of like crazy for saying y'all. Because uh, yes. <laughs> so Colorado, Colorado people don't say y'all. Yeah, um, yeah. and so that I, I learned that I had learned that at a young age, and uh-huh. I quickly unlearned that um, <laughs> because it, it it brought me much ridicule from my peers. But um, so that's one thing, I guess. I, I'm sure that there are lots of other little things, but I have not. I, I'm, there's nothing that comes to mind right You've now. Never have you ever like as a parent now? Have you ever repeated? Uh, what your parents did just like out of like just like well that's what you do as a parent and then you realize like oh, yeah i got that from for sure there's yeah. definitely been things like that like have you ever have you ever like done something like where you're like i'll never do that and then yeah. you did it <laughs> uh, yeah i'm sure that there are things again i, I can't think of anything specific but i there's mm-hmm. definitely like there's probably more like ways that I remember my dad disciplining us and like, I'm like, I don't want to discipline like that. And then I find myself doing it, those types of things. But, um, nothing, I can't think of anything specific right now. That was like any moment where I was like, I've become my parents, (laughs) (laughs) but there are definitely those things. I think, uh, I think we see those things. And, and I mean, one of them being my parents' faith when I was, when I was a kid, um, we were very invested and involved in, walking with the Lord and following the Lord. And so that was something that, that stuck with me even Mm -hmm. when I walked away from God. And even when they, for a period seemed to have walked away from God and walked into some other stuff, um, that was something that really stuck with me through. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, I, my dad passed away not too long ago. And as I was, uh, 
kind of prepping to share at his memorial service, I was thinking through that, like what, what things do I carry on from my dad? And, uh, one of the things was, I, I like hadn't really thought about it that much, but when I was younger, him and my mom went to nursing homes and my dad, uh, gave the message Mm -hmm. it was just a short little like five ten minute thing yeah and he was horrible (laughs) (laughs) he did such a bad job Uh, but i was just thinking back on that like that must have impacted me in some way yeah you know that he like was willing to do that even though he wasn't good at it you know that that yeah there's something about that probably that impacted me that made me want to to teach god's word yeah seriously so it's just interesting what do you think like causes kids to pick up things from their parents, even though they may not want to, you know, just like what, how does that happen? I think some of that is how God designed us um, and created us with this, this need to look up to someone and to kind of follow, you know, I think that that's something that's built in. I think also some of it is, especially when you're really little, you see your parents as, um, as the example of what a person should be, you know, Ooh. especially when you're really little, as you get older, you kind of like, what do you know? You know, <laughs> you kind of get that rebellious spirit. That's that kind of, it, it in some ways is a healthy thing that helps you move out of the home and into your own life. But when you're younger, um, you think your parents can do no wrong or, or, or something must be, I mean, if, even if you have abusive parents, kids often really mm-hmm. look up to their parents at those young ages, you know? And so it's because we look at them and we say, that's what it means to be a human, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's that. What do, what do you think about that? Um, even just, being around that somebody so much like that you start to pick those things up. I think I shared before, but I like, there's this pastor, John Corson, uh, back in Oregon that uh, a lot of guys left from that church, uh, and launched out and planted their own churches and stuff. And and you listen to them teach and they laugh like John Corson laughs. And he has a very (laughs) distinct laugh, you know, and just, they said, what is his laugh? (laughs) (laughs) they sat under his teaching listening to him so much that they just picked up some they started to speak like him and stuff and do you think that that is part of uh what kids just because they're around their parents so much that they just naturally pick up some things like yeah totally i think so i think uh i mean i think that happens with anybody i i have a friend who's from Wisconsin and his wife is from Texas and she's got a deep kind of Texas drawl mm-hmm. a little bit. And, and he's picked up some of her, you know, speech, including the y'all, oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, Oh, okay. But he's got like the y'all plus the Wisconsin, like, y- you know, school, you guys no. outside and <laughs> get in the boat. Get in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, it, you're taught on Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's entitled Imitating God. Um, we have that, there. therefore be imitators of God as dear children. I, I see two things there. One, be an imitator of God, and two, be dear children to God and be in, be in, be in that father child relationship with God. 
do you think one like one comes before the other or is there a way that we can get those out of order and mess things up you know imitating god or being a child of god is it important that we focus on one more than the other or like how do they fit together yeah i, I think imitating god has to come out of being a child of god and recognizing that you are a child of god um because you can't do it in your own strength you can't mm. you can't be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect as jesus would say in matthew chapter 5 mm. and unless you realize that you are his child and you are designed and empowered in order to live the way that that honors and reflects him to mm. the world you know um and so i i think that i don't know that you should focus on one more than the other necessarily as much as I don't think that you can imitate until you've recognized and realized mm. your your sonship or your daughtership for for the king. You know? Yeah. What is? Do you think there's a danger if you try to imitate God without being Absolutely. in a father child relationship with him? Yeah. I, I mean, I think we. That's that is. I mean, that's legalism. First off, mm. it's. It, it, but I think it's also impossible <laughs> because <laughs> right, right. because we are because of our fallen nature, we can't. Mm we cannot walk the way that God would have us walk on our own. We can't do it. We don't have the ability. There was nothing that we could do to save ourselves, right? We needed a savior and on our own, we are hopeless and helpless. And so uh, imitating God is an impossibility uh, apart from the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of us. And if you've become a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can imitate God by the power of the Holy Spirit. You might not recognize that you're doing it as a, out of a sonship or a daughtership. You can still do that. But I think that really the power to walk in the life that God would call us to walk in comes in recognizing that we're his kids and really we're looking up to him as our father, wanting to, to please him, to honor him, to look like him, right? We're the, mm. we're the image of God, the image bearers of God here on earth. You know what I mean? Um, and so as his image bearers, we want to reflect an accurate image. Yeah. And I just, I just think about like, for me, I, like I'm drawn to the natural process of focusing on that uh, father son relationship with God mm -hmm. and just naturally picking up his behaviors. You know, you think about the disciples, you know, when they mm -hmm. were before the, the Sanhedrin and they said they took note that they had been with Jesus, like yeah. that had an effect on them. Right. You know, and that it's not so much trying so hard and yeah. stuff to do it. And just that frustration that goes along with that, like you said, you know, I, I feel like that's where a lot of Christians make that, mistake of of just like trying to imitate god trying to be good you know yeah. I, I remember one time in, when i was in high school and i felt totally convicted about um and doing drugs and stuff and i was like I'm, I'm gonna stop i'm gonna stop and so i just tried really hard to stop and it lasted like three days yeah <laughs> right totally <laughs> and i was so frustrated with myself like, yeah Man. and you beat yourself up because yeah. you're like i can't do it yeah but then when I started to discover a real relationship with the Lord, then I started to see those things just kind of naturally start to fall away. And it was yeah. just, it wasn't trying so hard. It was just like walking in an, a joyful relationship with the Lord and watching those things just fall off and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, I, I remember, so I've been a 
lead pastor, senior pastor uh, since 2010, so about 13 years. I've been in pastoral ministry for about 15 years um, and and in ministry for much longer than that, just through doing different things, youth ministry and, you know, worship ministry and different things. But um, I went and planted a church in Denver and God just worked in that and moved in that and, and it was... It was awesome. We were there. God worked in it. When when God called us to move here to where we are now in the Vale Valley um, to come pastor Mountain Life, which was at that time Calvary Chapel, Vale Valley, um, I handed off that church and we came here and I it was definitely the call of God. But when we got here, I felt so much pressure to kind of be something. Mm. And, uh, and this is something I've even been talking with my wife about recently. I felt so much pressure to be something that wasn't natural for me. Yeah. And it wasn't to be Tommy, the guy who was the pastor before, cause I knew I wasn't him. <laughs> it's just way different guy than me, but I felt pressure to be something. And I even had people who were involved in leadership at that time who are no longer with the church, but, uh, they gave me lists of things that they thought I should do and lists of things that they thought the church needed to change and, and what they thought I should be wearing and <laughs> like all of these things. And I felt all this pressure from the outside and, um, and the problem with pressure like that is it, it, it's an external force pushing on you mm-hmm. and eventually you cave, like you, you can't hold up to the external for, force. And I think that's what trying to imitate God on our own is like, mm-hmm. is that pressure building up on you on the ex, on, on the outside and you can't, and it, it, there came a point a couple of years into it when I was like, what, I'm, I'm like David trying to put on Saul's armor, right? You yeah, know, right. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Like this, like, I don't need all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to be who God made me to be. And then when you step into that, there's great freedom as you look at the father and you try to imitate him and who he's created you to be reflecting his image. There's freedom in that. Actually, yeah. it's not really a pressure. It's a freedom. And yeah. so I think when we are trying to be and do all the right things on our own, whether it's trying not to sin or even trying to be something that you're not like in the sense of me with trying to fill this expectation that I felt, um, I think what happens often is we cave under that pressure because it's mm. too much for us, right? Yeah. It's not It's not what we are designed for. We're designed for freedom. Mm. And really, for me, when I stepped into that freedom of being who God called me to be and ministering the way God had called me to minister to, yeah, some people walked away and left. and But then many more came, mm. and God multiplied and grew, and it was like, okay, this is freedom, not yeah. pressure, you know? And I think the same thing is true with addictions. I mean, I, <laughs> I had similar stuff with you. I never really was a drug problem. I did some drugs in high school and, you know, messed around with some things, but I smoked cigarettes for a long time. Um, and that was probably a battle that I dealt with. And I remember I would finish a pack of cigarettes and I'd throw it away. No, I wouldn't even finish it. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm quitting. And I'd have like 10 cigarettes left in there and I'd throw out the pack. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm never smoking again. Well, the very next day I'd go and buy a new pack of cigarettes and then I'd smoke like 10 of them or whatever. And then I'd throw the pack away. And I'm like, man, I, like I'm wasting, wasting all this money. money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I was trying to do it on my own strength. It wasn't out of the freedom that comes from relationship with Christ. So yeah. I don't know. Well, they, I, you shared something in the teaching that really struck me that uh, it's like you couldn't get saved on your own. And, yeah. like, and like nobody, we all accept that, right? right? We're all like, well, there's no way I could have saved myself. Yeah. You know, eternally, spiritually. Um, but then we start to think, well, but, but I can imitate God. Like yeah. I, or I can, I can get myself together. And you, know, you think of Paul's words, uh, about, you know, what, 
what's begun in the spirit, you're going to perfect that in the flesh now. <laughs> like, right. Totally. You know, like you're going like that mindset. Uh, if, if somebody's maybe in a place like that, that's listening to this, like they just feel so frustrated. Like I try to follow God and I just fail and I just fail mm-hmm. and I just fail and I just fail. And they're maybe on the verge of like saying, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to live in sin, you know, because mm-hmm. I just can't do this. What would be your encouragement to them? Yeah. I, my, I would say, that if you feel like you're a failure, you're much further to freedom than the person who feels like they're a success. <laughs> because <I'll> preach. <laughs> <laughs> because the person who feels like they've got it together, one, they don't. He who thinks he stands, watch out lest he fall. Yeah. Because there, there's a, a humility in recognizing our complete inability to do anything on our own. Mm. That, that humility that, that comes with that is where we find our freedom in fully casting ourselves on Christ and leaning on his power. So I realize if that's you and you're like, I'm a failure, I can't seem to do it. I keep falling on my face that that might not give you hope in the sense of like, here's how you get the, to the freedom of step a step B step C, and then you're free. Um, but what I want you to know is that it's when you give up on yourself that you can actually experience the freedom from those things because you can't do it. It mm-hmm. has to be Jesus in you. Um, just like you couldn't save yourself, it had to be Jesus. You can't make yourself be what God is calling you to be or what you want to be in your heart. You can't do it on your own. It has to be Jesus in you. I mean, Philippians 2, 12 through 13, you know, we talked about this on Sunday. Therefore, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Paul says, work out your own salvation, the apostle Paul, not pastor Paul. Of course. (laughs) work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? That's the part that's like, oh, I got to live up to it. But then he says, for it is God who works in you both to will Mm -hmm. and to do for his good pleasure. So like, there's this, there is like this thing, like we don't want to walk in addiction anymore. Mm -hmm. Like the desire to quit smoking for me was really good. Yeah. That was a good desire to not want to do that anymore, but I couldn't do it on my own. I was, I was living in the fear and trembling part, right? Like trying to work out my salvation but not leaning on the God being the one who would give me the will and the ability, yeah. the way to do what he would call me to do. It has to be him. It can't, it can't be you. And the, the, the more you feel like a failure, probably the closer you are to experiencing that freedom that he brings, because yeah. it was the Pharisees who thought they had it all together that yeah. Jesus condemned and said, you may have it all together on the outside, but inside I know it. you're full of dead men's bones, yeah. you know? And, um, that's, that's really where I, I would even say that sometimes you can look at the people's lives who seem to have it all together and you just don't know what's going on on the inside. Don't measure yourself by them. Hmm. If you're in a spot where you feel like you are blowing it, that's no K place to be. Don't dwell there because God doesn't look at you as a failure, but, but submit that to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't, yeah. I really can't. And I need you to, and um, he will meet you there and it, it, it might not be you wake up tomorrow and you're free from your addiction or whatever it is, but he will deliver you. And that's where the faith comes in and mm. just believing that, you know? Yeah. You mentioned the Jewish religious leaders, how Jesus was talking about being blind and they're like, you calling us blind? And he's like, no, because if you knew you were blind, then you wouldn't be blind. <laughs> like it's just kind of <laughs> right. like yeah. play there, but you know, it's like when you think you can see, that's when you're really blind. Right. But when you know that you're blind, that's when you're starting to actually be able to see. And mm-hmm. uh, spiritually speaking, the uh, 
you know, it's interesting because I know I grew up in a, in a church body and was around a lot of Christians that uh, they kind of took this understanding in a different direction where they were like, we can't do it. So why even try? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so let's just sin by grace. We are saved. Yeah. Let's just live our lives in sin. And mm-hmm. you know, that that's okay. And rather than saying, I'd like to see this change right you know, in my life. And, and that, I think that you can make the mistake on that side as well of like, not, not just totally discounting and saying, I don't, I'm not going to try and follow God, but they're just saying, it's okay, I can just sin as much as I want because I can never do right. it anyway. And, yeah. And just like um, taking license to sin, which scripture tells us that we shouldn't. But so for a person who is in that spot where they're like, I'm frustrated, I've tried to make some changes in my life, I've tried to imitate God more, but I just can't be doing, I just can't do it, I can't do it, I'm so frustrated. Um, what, what would they do then? Like what, you know, you're, I love the uh, encouragement that, you know, that you see that you're failing. That's a good, that's the first step. Right. (laughs) But then, then where do they take that from there? How can they start to see those things happen in their life? What should they focus on? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. And some of this is going to depend on the situation someone finds themselves in, um, I mean, I'd say if, like, if you're dealing with a real addiction to a substance of something like that, that is potentially harmful for you, you should get help. (laughs) They are not just kind of like, so, well, God's going to take care of this for me. But um, I think that really it comes down to resting ourselves and abiding in Christ. Mm. And to be able to do that really comes down to understanding your position in Christ as his child and Mm -hmm. and as odd as it sounds the understanding of the love and forgiveness and grace and mercy of god in light of your sinfulness is the thing that that Mm. enables you to walk away from your sinfulness and i I don't even just mean in like well i just want to please god because he loved me so much people have used that kind of i've heard pastors say well we don't want to sin because we want to love god because he loved us and i'm like to me, that's not a very convincing argument because mm-hmm. I, yes, I agree with that, but that doesn't give me the power to not do it. Right, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? That's like, okay, well now I have expectation of this is how I better love God is to not sin, but it has to be not me. And so if it's not me, it has to be me leaning on Christ a hundred percent. And I think that that starts from really learning what God thinks and says about you mm-hmm. and who you are to him and what that looks like and his heart for sinners and his heart for the lost and his heart for the, those who are broken um, and how he meets us in those places and lifts us up, doesn't push us down. Mm-hmm. He sets us free. He doesn't add more chains to us. Um, he, you know, David, he was like, I, he was in the miry pit, right? Psalm 40, like he lifted me up out of the miry clay and set my feet on the rock, you know, and, um, it's, it's him, it's, it's building our life around him. And so I think it's, it's coming to the realization that you can't do it and then bringing that before God and recognizing that and giving it to him and saying, okay, you have to. And I, I I, like, and I mean, really not like, God, you're going to have to take this from me. I'm going to keep going back to it until you do, (laughs) you know what I mean? That's not what I'm saying necessarily, but in, in a true heart of submission and saying, all right, Lord, I can't, I don't have the willpower 
I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability, but I'm going to lay this at your feet as a sacrifice. And I'm going to just say, I need you to do this in Mm me. Um, and I think when you understand the heart of God for you, that, that it's not a heart of judgment or condemnation, that it's not a heart that, uh, is looking down on you or is disappointed with you in some way. I mean, he's, God's not disappointed with you. He knew what you were going to do before you even did. You know what I mean? It's like, you didn't like have this expectation and you failed to meet it. And now he's like, man, you failed my expectation on you. You know, that's not Mm -hmm. how God feels. God sees outside of time and space. And so his view of you is in this much bigger picture. And so really understanding his heart of love and grace for you is what actually gives you the ability to lay those things down and see his power come into your life in a way that frees you from them, yeah. I believe. Yeah, you, you talked about that in the teaching about that performance-based, when we start to think of God's love is, is based on our performance, God's love for us. And how dangerous that is, because it does, it, it, it causes you to not want to come close to the Lord mm-hmm. because you think he's mad at you. Like you're mad at yourself. You yeah. think God's mad at you like that. And so yeah. it causes you to not come around him, but that's where the power is, right? is in relationship with him. And that's how the enemy works. I think a lot of times in those situations where, you know, we get uh, upset at ourselves because we failed and we think God's upset at us, so we don't want to go talk to him right. because he's just going to yell at us, yep. you know, and that's what the enemy says. And so we stay away from him, and then we'd have no power to see change take place in our life because the power is in relationship with him. Right. It's just, man, I hate Satan. Such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, do you, have you experienced that, father-son relationship with the Lord in any particular ways? Are there anything like practical ways that have helped you to, you know, see growth in your relationship like that with him? I mean, I will say I just recently read a book that I thought was really powerful on this subject and it's called Gentle and Lowly um, by Dane Ortland. And really just the whole book is about the heart of Christ for people. And so I highly recommend that book because I think it's just, it just communicates God's heart for us so clearly and so beautifully. Um, it's, we're going to start doing a book of the month at church again here this fall. And it's definitely going to be one of the ones on the list there. I I really think everybody should read that book, but, um, and it's mostly scripture. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, uh, it's a really good, um, but I think that it's so important to be connecting with the the work of God through the word and through the fellowship of other believers. Um, and even in the sense of getting people in your life that you can share what you're going through with, because when we isolate, it's really easy to be down on ourselves. And then we start to misinterpret our voice for God's voice, you know? Mm. And like you said, you know, feeling like, I'm mad at myself and therefore God's mad at me. And then, you know, I'm a failure. And I mean, it's just a, it's just a spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. When you feel like a failure, you're going to fail and then you're going to feel more like a failure (laughs) and then you're going to fail again. And then you're going to feel more like a failure where if you, if you connect with believers, which is part of the reason we have the body of Christ and you're able to bring those things 
to them and say, this is what I'm struggling with. And then they can come with you and say, let's bring that before the Lord. God's got power for you in that. He's got, you know, ability to overcome those things. Then you can start to experience that, um, that love and connection from the Lord in that. I think sometimes, sometimes God's voice in our lives sounds a lot like other people's voices, Mm -hmm. you know, speaking to us Mm -hmm. through the Holy spirit. Um, other things are actually, I think a lot of times when we're feeling like that, we run from God a little bit. Mm. We might not admit it, but we don't really open ourselves up to hearing from the Lord in our quiet times or whatever you might do. Um, and maybe maybe I've seen this before where people get very uh, knowledge-based in their relationship with God. It's it's all about facts mm. and theology and study, and it becomes more of a, a an intellectual exercise than it is a relationship with God. And if you find yourself in that position, you might pause and say, am I, am I actually like maturing in my walk or am I just learning a whole bunch of stuff? Um, because sometimes we can use that as a cover for not actually engaging in a relationship with God because we have something going on that we feel like we want to hide from him, even though he sees it all, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when we really open up and let him see every corner of our heart, as, you know, David prayed, you know, search me and know my heart, try me and find if there's any, you know, imperfect way in me, like that that picture is just laying your heart bare before the Lord and allowing him to, to, to search it, but then it's to search it so that he can reveal those things that he wants to heal with his love, you know? So you talked about, how imitating God is a is a powerful witness to to the unbeliever. I think it's a powerful witness to the believer too. Just as you're sharing about um, how we can grow in relationship with the Lord by growing in relationship with other Christians, mm-hmm. that um, reminds me of a when when I got kicked out of college. Um, one of the things I had to do to get back into this college was I had to go and tell my pastor everything that I did wrong. And he had to write it all down and send them a letter that I confessed it all to him. Okay. <laughs> and it was so horrible. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I went into his office. I didn't know him hardly at all. And yeah. And I just sat down and across the desk from him and I just stared at the floor and I said, I got to tell you all this stuff. You have to write it down. And I just started spewing all this bad stuff that I had done. And, yeah. and uh, I got done and, uh, just staring at the floor and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this guy hates me. Mm-hmm. He just thinks I'm the worst person ever. And it's just kind of this awkward silence. And then he goes, Paul, he said, uh, he said, look at me. And I was like, oh, no. yeah, right. <laughs> and I looked up at him and he said, I would get choked up saying it because it was so powerful for me. But he said, he said, you know, God loves you and I love you and God forgives you. And I forgive you. And I felt like a billion pounds came off of me. Yeah. And I think that was a very, very powerful moment in my life where I started to understand that a little bit more of like, just because this man that I didn't know very well, you know, that he just, he expressed God's love for me and his love for me. And that helped me to, you know, to really receive forgiveness and to see it a change in my life in different directions. Yeah, so totally. He was imitating God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there That's for awesome. Me. So, well, great subject. I love that. Again, I just want to encourage you if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard the teaching, please go listen to it. It's uh, very important and very powerful, and very helpful in our lives. So thank you, Nate. And we will catch you next time.
Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. If you'd like more material from Pastor Nate, you can go to pastornate.com. That's the word pastor, the letter N, and the number 8.com. And for more information about our church, you can connect with us through our website at mountainlife.church. Hope you can join us again next week as we continue the conversation.